This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu for more information. As the financial crisis continues to roil credit and stock markets around the globe, it seems that no country or continent is being spared the consequences. Brazil, Russia, India, and China, the BRIC countries, are no exception. In this Knowledge at Wharton podcast, Shiv Kempka, Vice Chairman of Sun Group, based in London, New Delhi, and Moscow, Silas K.F. Chow, President and CEO of Novel Holdings, based in Hong Kong, and Odomiro Fonseca, founder of Vienna Rio Restaurantes in Rio de Janeiro, discuss their country's response to the crisis, its impact on specific sectors, the decoupling hypothesis, and the dangers of protectionism, among other topics. Our guests today are Shiv Kemka, Silas Chow, and Odomiro Fonseca. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us today on Knowledge at Wharton Podcasts. To begin with, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about the respective economic situation in each of the countries uh, that you belong to, and also tell us how it has been affected by the world economic crisis that's going on these days. Shiv, would you like to start us off? Sure. Well, I belong to India, and the situation there is, uh, you know, the equity markets are down uh, considerably, more than 50%. Uh, you know, credit is tight in the markets. Of course, underlying growth in the economy, because India is not yet as export-led as China, is still reasonable. And I think expectations of growth are still north of 5%, uh, perhaps in the 6-7% range. Uh, in terms of the country I work in, in Russia, again, equity markets are down. But given the strong uh, reserve position of the e economy and uh, given the concerted action taken quickly by the Russian government to effectively inject liquidity through four main banks into the economy, I think there is a sense of confidence that this thunderstorm will pass and things should be uh, at least manageable over the coming years. Of course, individual entrepreneurs will face a lot of pain. Uh, many oligarchs are publicly known to be in fairly difficult situations. But I think that uh, all in all, from a broad economic point of view, I think Russia is reasonably well positioned to weather the storm. Uh, how about the situation in China? As for China, this so far is not too bad thing. On the contrary, because China economy has grown too fast. The preoccupation of the Chinese um, government for the last few years is how to cool down the economy. So this crisis inevitably slow down everything around the world, and China is affected. So as far as China can and are trying to move away from too heavily rely on the export um, uh, 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 sector of the economy to more domestic consumption, this can be opportunity for China to cool down its economy a little bit and tape down the inflation and have a smooth transition uh, to a um, domestic consumption uh, economy. Of course, as the crisis develops now in the West, it's kind of out of hand then affects everybody. So we hopefully that um, United States, Europe are taking a strong leadership to solve the crisis um, in a quick and sensible way. Uh, great. Uh, how about Brazil, Adobiro? Well, Brazil, uh, commodity prices were, were declining even before the crisis. Uh, 
uh, was installed, the financial international finance, mainly the American real estate crisis. Uh, the, the, the commodity prices were declining. Uh, but Brazil has very... Uh, and when the the the, the 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 of course the the stock market declined a lot, maybe now it's about thirty uh, percent. A lot of fluctuations, and the but the country is not. There is no signs yet of of, of economic decline. Uh, there is a lot of reserves for the first time in your lifetime or economic lifetime. We are not going to have a foreign exchange crisis as we had in the past uh, because we have a lot of reserves and because we have a flexible exchange rate policy. They already started to adjust, went from 1.7 to 2.4, and now it's fluctuating. So this already gave the right signs to everybody. But of course, Brazil is going to be affected, for example, the foreign credit markets paralyzed for about 15 days. Now they are working again. And the banks that are financing cars for 60 months now are offering credit for 30 months. So the credit market is t much tighter. I think some specific industries are going to, are going to take, a, a, uh, take a beat like the car industry. Uh, but... Uh, but we don't. We do not forecast a, a recession. We are going to have less growth, maybe in the order of forty four percent this year, against five point three last year. Uh, to uh, the point that Odomiro made, are there any specific sectors in either say India, China, Russia, or China uh, that you see contracting more than others? I think, from an Indian point of view, clearly uh, export sectors will be affected. Uh, I think, you know, the real estate sector has taken a very severe uh, uh, downturn because of credit issues in the market. And naturally, demand domestically will fall. And I think, so I think that's another sector that uh, one needs to be careful about because of this, you know, heavy leverage in the sector. Any sector which has a lot of leverage, I think, would be a sector to watch carefully. In Russia, you know, the energy price being down where it is today, the oil price, means that uh, the bonanza of the last few years, the boom times, are perhaps coming to an end. And the savings that uh, the Russians have wisely made over the last few years need to be now invested thoughtfully in the future. Uh, but given the strong commodity base and really the lack of diversification of the Russian economy, adequate diversification, I think all the focus will be on the commodity sector, energy and mining. Uh, what would you say is the China? China is uh, severely affected in the export sector. But put in perspective, China was exporting too much. And China's uh, tremendous uh, surplus was causing a lot of political problems around the world, especially with the United States. So this is a good pause for China. Now, all depends if... Chinese economy could turn itself from a heavily export dependent to a domestic consumption. This is a good chance for China to test that. Of course, we cannot afford to a, a prolonged 
recession or depression in the West world, then it will cut off our uh, lifeline. <laughs> so hopefully this recession in the, the, in the West world will be brief. Then it's really a good opportunity for China. On the other hand, China, Chinese real estate market has been severely um, uh, affected. But on the other hand, it's also welcome because the government has been trying for the last two years to cool down the real estate price, which has been all out of the way of the reach of the common people. So, so far, we still look at it as an opportunity for us to adjust our economy to have better ground for further growth. Speaking of the role of the government, could you help our audience understand how the government uh, has responded to the crisis in the countries we are talking about? And what do you think about the nature of those responses? Uh, Odemir, do you want to start us off? Well, uh, the government, the executive uh, so far is doing nothing. Uh, and I, I am glad they are doing, they are doing nothing because... Uh, the central bank is doing the classical stuff. It's 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 it's, it's selling dollars. It's pumping liquidity to the to the economy. When the, mainly when the when they have this this pause in the credit markets, and uh, they're waiting. They're talking a lot, but no action so far. For for the Chinese part, everybody's scared because whoever. Uh, everybody would be scared because if you see the banks <laughs> go into bankruptcy, <laughs> that's a real case. People heard about the word of bankruptcy, never saw a bank really fail. And uh, however, um, most of Chinese reserves are in the United States or in treasury bills. And uh, that has not been a bad place to be. China has made very small investment in people like Morgan Stanley, Blackstone. They lost some money, but relatively speaking, very, very small. And um, so in this case, um, the government just wait and watch, and, uh, but truly believe the U.S. will come out with a certain solutions. And um, so... We're optimistic that this will be over. What do you think, think Chef? Uh, you know, the, talking about the Russian government, I think the government has actually o- o- acted in a very organized, focused and coordinated manner. Uh, you know, restored confidence in the banking system to some extent by, uh, you know, announcing, uh, you know, increased liquidity into the system by guaranteeing uh, deposits of the sort of retail investor in the environment by talking about cuts in oil export taxes, which will again give a boost to the economy, and talking about significant investments in public infrastructure spending, which will again protect uh, the lower end of the economy in terms of jobs and so on. So I think the government has really been very proactive and done, I think, an excellent job in projecting a clear plan and implementing the beginnings of that plan. The beginnings of liquidity started flowing in this week into the economy. There used to be this uh, hypothesis that was very popular a while ago uh, called the decoupling hypothesis that said that especially in the BRIC economies and emerging markets more broadly, uh, growth could be sustained even in the absence of growth in the developed world. Uh, Given what's going on, how realistic 
do you think that view was? Uh, any any comments on that? Uh, I think the world is increasingly interconnected. And, of course, there are some places, perhaps, uh, you know, rural societies in local and local micro-economies that are relatively unconnected. But if you really look at the big economies in the world today, they are increasingly connected through human capital, through knowledge, through uh, information, technology, capital flows, uh, and many other things. So I think that really the world, and particularly in a world where the U.S. is such a dominant part of the global economy, I think uh, it is unrealistic to think of a decoupled economy, really. However, the comments that underlie some of the thinking on decoupling is that economies have their domestic markets that are quite large, like India, China, and those markets are starting to grow. There is increased domestic capital, consumer spending power, and so on. And I think that there is some truth in that. And that's the reason why economies like India, China, Brazil and others will continue to grow. The growth rate will decline, which will have potentially a very significant impact on long term performance of those economies. But there is growth in those economies. So to that extent, it is to some extent decoupled. Uh, Silas and Noramira, any, yeah. any comments? Um, well, I agree uh, with this point of view. and uh, But there's... Another thing to add is the economy of China and India, even Brazil, but especially China and India, it's in a very low base. So if the West doesn't grow that much, China and India still will grow because the per capita income in China is less than 5,000. India is maybe 3,000. So there's great prospect of growth still in China and India, despite of possible recessions in the West. <clears throat> well, clearly there is no decap decoupling of the capital markets. The fundamentals of Brazil didn't change, but the, 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 the stock market declined 40%. The credit market stopped. So there is no decoupling in the, in the capital markets, in the financial markets, even for a country like Brazil, isolated as Brazil. Unfortunately, there will be decoupling for the wrong reason for Brazil, because Brazil... Uh, because 94% what is consumed in Brazil is produced in Brazil. So Brazil is very isolated. I would like that uh, there would be no decoupling for, for Brazil. But there will be because uh, Brazil is much smaller, much uh, lower capital, uh, much lower in, uh, per capita income, and it's going to grow less, but it's, and it will look like decoupling, but for the wrong reason. I'd like to export 20% of the GDP of Brazil to the United States. <laughs> <laughs> what is the one development that you most fear occurring that would prolong the crisis in your country? The, the wrong development is what our president is saying, that we are an island. We are Iceland of in this world that is, is finishing, and uh, nobody. We are a night. That's the wrong development. They're trying to be, uh, to 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 grow the size of the government, the government investments, and 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 in Brazil that is already very big, 
and the and try to protect Brazil against against so-called speculation or try to start again buying commodities to support prices something that we don't do anymore in Brazil but we did for 50 years buying commodities to support prices all this kind of thing is the wrong thing protect try to protect the commodities uh, try to uh, raise uh, the barriers for imports. It will be dangerous. Exactly. Uh, protectionism. If the United States, for whatever the reasons, turned inward for uh, total isolation, protectionism, that would be bad news for the world. And it, because we are really living in a global village, everybody inter- uh, dependent. I completely agree. I think, uh, you know, if one raises high walls right now in the world in different countries, it'll only create and exacerbate the problem. And I also think in Russia, particularly, it's very important that the government has policies that are equitable across the board. And those, if if there's a lot of inequity in the policies and sort of favoritism and so on, I think that will also send the wrong signal. One last question of, for each of you: What is your most optimistic and also your most pessimistic scenario? Uh, for the next one year? Well, I don't have an optimistic scenario, I'm afraid. And, uh, you know, I think that one has to batten down the hatches uh, and prepare for a thunderstorm. And one needs to be realistic, sanguine about that, prudent in this environment. And I think what was a financial crisis will become, is becoming an economic crisis, has perhaps become a crisis of confidence and i think one needs to take that very seriously and one needs to uh you know have the patience and i think the key right now is survival that's the key well optimistic is this can be over in two se- um quarters pessimistic can go to two years and it's really bad because if two, for two quarters china can uh, relatively uh, escape this unscratched for two years china will be in deep trouble <laughs> Well, I'm optimistic for one interesting uh, new reason. The, 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 the central bankers, the treasury department, they're working together in all countries at the same time. I was surprised reading today in the newspaper that the, the treasury secretary of the United States, uh, is, it's called, in his staff, speaks with the treasury department of China every day. That's quite, that's quite new. This, and Europeans are... And this is, if this stops the panic, because this is, there is a panic today, if this stops the panic, I think, I think we're going to go through this with this mild recession in the United States. And Brazil and China are going to survive. Of course, if the panic continues and then you have the oil declining for more and more, you're going to see problems in Russia, you're going to see problems in the Middle East, you're going to see problems in Venezuela. You're going to see uh, much more unrest. But apparently, if, you, if they stop the panic and this coordination helps, I think it's, I, I'm very optimistic. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upen.edu. Thank you.